0: Tyron Woodley versus Jake Paul is happening. I was kind of knocked off, you know, just kind of shocked stunned when I saw the um, promotional fight poster in my Instagram stories and uh, my Instagram posts feed, excuse me, should I say, the other day. I was really surprised. Uh, well, not too surprised, but I think Tyron Woodley was really, really, you know, gunning for, going to fight this guy, likewise Jake Paul was. So, and it looks like everything kind of fell into place kind of like at the right time. Uh, Jake Paul beat Ben Askren. Ben Askren's good friends with Tyron, Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley is has just been released from the UFC. He's lost all four of his last most recent fights, and you know the UFC were looking for. I'm sure they were going to come soon anyway. Either was going to be cut or who's going gonna, to going to retire. You know, he was 39, nearly 40 years old. So who's going to win this? I mean, I, might as far as I'm concerned, Tyron Woodley's going to win hands down. I mean, Tyron Woodley, I think in comparison to all of the other opponents that, that Jake Paul has fought in his last three fights, including Ben Askren. I mean, Ben Askren was probably the worst one because Ben Askren basically was known for being really, really bad. I, lo- I, love, I like Ben Askren. I respect him a lot. Ben Askren is known for his just his really poor striking, good wrestling, but unfortunately in boxing wrestling doesn't count. Um, so, you know, I think Tyron Woodley would be, probably be a proper t- true test for Jake Paul because Tyron Woodley is good with his hands. You know? He's good with his striking. He's known for his knockout power. So you know, this will probably be the closest thing to a proper boxing match that Jake Paul will ever have, at least for now. Or for now, will have, you know. So, um, and, and you know, for me, there's something else that also struck, kind of struck my interest and aroused my suspicion. It was the, um, the fact that I also, well, was was it no, it wasn't rumored it's a fact that. Jake Paul wanted to have he wanted where he demanded to have a rematch clause included in the contracts. Rematch clause, of course, for most of you who don't know, I'll just briefly, briefly run through it. It is basically whereby um, two opponents in a box match, I think, to either one opponent or both of them, they want to have whether whoever wins or loses gets to face the opponent again in another boxing match, and whoever wins or loses that fight, that fight, uh, that's when and that's the scores is settled then um now when i saw that when i heard about that um you know i was thinking to myself hmm, why would jake paul go and do this because uh, you know tyron woodley could also demand the same thing as well um i mean tyron woodley for him i think the biggest advantage here is just the money side of things you know uh most mixed martial arts fight athletes especially those in the ufc they are nu- notoriously and badly you know really badly paid that's nothing new so I think that's probably the biggest advantage and the biggest benefit that Tyrone Woodley has where this boxing match is concerned. Um, so, for me, for me, from what I could see, Tyrone Woodley wasn't the one who demanded the rematch clause in the contract. It came from the side of Jake Paul. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, well, why would Jake Paul want to have a uh, a rematch clause in this contract? He didn't include it in, excuse me, he didn't include it or didn't mention it at all with Ben Askren or KSI or the other opponent that he fought fought with, who was also another YouTuber. (coughs) So I thought to myself, okay, if that's the case, (coughs) I think a rematch clause for most people, I think, well, at least for myself, (coughs) speaking as a fight fan, and the way I understand it... Okay, there's... What it does... You, you Whether you lose or win the fight... You're going to have to fight the opponent again... <clears throat> but... If... Well, I say if... But if... You know... If you are requesting a rematch clause... Then it kind of suggests to me... That maybe... You know... You know that for the first time around... You're going to lose to this opponent... There's a strong potential... There's a strong chance... That you are going to come out the loser... Not the successor in this competition... So... That being the case, I'm sure that someone you know, the reason why Jake Paul probably um, requested, well, why he probably not requested, but why he demanded rather to have that clause included in his contracts, was because he he probably can see that this is the opponent who is very really different to all the last three opponents he, that he's competed with, he's boxed against, that he's fought with, and this is someone who is very good with their hands, their striking is really good, their knockout capability is that, that is one of the things that they're known for, one of their trade but trademark moves um so all of that being said and done this is someone of course who also means business you know they don't like on top of everything that they know this is a competition they know this is you know where what happens in the ring stays in the ring but on on top of that this individual does not like me they really do not like me at all you know um and they they don't hold back they know they they're very vocal about that you know they they make it clear for everybody to see for everybody to know so, that aroused my suspicions when I, when I, you know, when I, I keep kind of getting tongue twisted, when I heard about the uh, rematch clause being demanded to be added to Jake Paul's contracts or to the contracts of the whole of the boxing match. So, uh, you know, that kind of does probably let people know that even though, I mean, I personally believe that Jake Paul has, has asked for that as a safety net and also to save face, that if he does lose the first time around... And he has another chance again, the second time round, to still win and probably still have an opportunity to run his mouth and to be dressed as disrespectful and to call other members out of other members, other members of the mixed martial arts community out to you know to come and box and to insult them even further. Of course, it could go the other way. He could lose the first fight, and he could also lose the second fight. Which you know, if he loses in the second time, it'll be far more humiliating and far more embarrassing for him. And you know, someone like Drake Paul care so much about his image i mean for me all these youtubers and i think the same quality goes for logan paul but logan paul is at the very least at at least you know he's not as he's not as as you know annoying as his younger brother is you know it's a bit more tolerable um the reason why jake paul has really done this is to save face and to save face as much as he can because even though he's demanded to have that um clause included in his contracts. There's always a possibility that he could lose the first fight. Okay, fine. The rematch clause saves, kind of, covers his back a little bit. You know, it kind of covers up his ass a little bit and saves him partially. But again, even though given a second, given a second chance, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to win the fight. So for me, personally, my own opinion, that's the reason why he's demanded to have this um, clause and this. Just he's demanded to have this. Uh, what's what? Well, how can I? What should I say? This extra say benefit or advantage um added to, to the contract should things go um the go the other way if should things go against him you know not in his favor and rather in the favor of his opponent Tyrone Woodley um because again you know Tyrone Woodley is someone who who you know is a is going to be a much more let's say a much more seasoned combat sports athlete in comparison to to Jake Paul's last three opponents I mean, uh, after Tyron Woodley, I think probably you could say Ben Askren, but Ben Askren, unfortunately, the biggest disadvantage he had, and I saw that boxing match, it ended in what less than half of the time allowed for the first round. It it just looked ridiculous. He, he didn't even look like he was in, in athletic shape for the boxing match. No disrespect to Ben Askren, but, you know, the performance was what it was. So, you know, I think Jake Paul's also got into this, Using some common sense, that he knows that in a way he's punching above his waist and you know Tyron Woodley, you know, still has, despite the sort, despite the four, the last four fights he that he lost in the UFC, the, the losing streak that he's coming off in the UFC, despite his age, um, you know, despite all, despite all the negatives that is attached to his name in terms of mixed martial arts at the moment, you know, Tyron Woodley still. Is a far more seasoned athlete, far more seasoned seasoned combat sports athlete than any of the three um, opponents that Jake Paul has faced in the past. Of four, um, he's going to compete against Tyron Woodley, so I think he's done that. He's gone into that. Um, he's gone into this. We're using some some common sense, some some smarts, you know, just to make sure that he's he's. Uh, he's protected as much as possible. But again, you know, um a re- a rematch clause doesn't necessarily save you from losing. It doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that the fight's gonna go your way. The fight again could go the other way. You could lose in the second time. And again the situation we made even worse for you, especially in this in his own case, because if Drake Paul loses this match, like I said with the Ben Askren fight, if he loses this match, he has a lot more to lose than his opponent does. You know, so his opponent is an accomplished athlete already. He's he's already cemented his name. He's an established f- figure. <clears throat> he's an established figure, an established name in the sports of mixed martial arts, especially because he's, he's been fighting in the UFC. So um, yeah, I mean, I just want to to make, put that put that out there because I read. I personally, I really do hope that Tyron Woodley does beat this guy and just shut him up. And if that re- and if because it's still gonna be some time between now and the end of august we're now just entering the month of july uh it's now the fourth of july no sorry we're just we're now just entering the month of june it's now the fourth of june 2021 so it's about what july there's still okay so about two two uh months or two and a half months or so before the fight takes place and i say for now that day because between now and then a lot of things could happen jake paul could get cold feet um no, one of them could could go through some sort of uh, difficulty or whatever and the fight could be called off or it could be postponed. So, but again, we will just wait and see what happens. But I believe that Jake Paul will be KO'd by, um, be, will be knocked out nicely and smoothly by Tyron Woodley, very easily by Tyron Woodley. And uh, yeah, I mean, who knows if he's going to, if he's still gonna wanna compete into the second uh, into the second boxing match, if that um, rematch clause remains as it is on in, in and on the contract. So looking at the stats, um, Jake Paul's uh, has a slight height advantage of six foot one, whereas Tyron Woodley is a five foot nine. Uh, and again, Paul has the advantage in terms of the reaching power. Seventy six inches, and uh, Woodley has a reach of seventy four inches. So. Overall, and yeah, again, there's the age. Jake Paul is twenty four, twenty five years old, and Tyron Willie's thirty nine, is almost forty years old. Um, still, I mean, but I know in terms of sports, uh, mixed martial arts, in combat sports, combat sports is a young man's game. So, when he hit us, when he hits a certain age, of course, things such as your recovery, your agility, athleticism, those things will unfortunately be compromised. They are, they are going to decline. But still, I mean, even Tyron Woodley at his age, he—that's um, still not necessarily an old age. But I do understand in sports, especially in combat sports, you know that is uh, the, the time where, where you, you say, where people say you can't really cheat or beat father time. So, yeah, I'm not going to say much else about this. Uh, just um, praying and hoping. Well, not hoping, but no, I know Tyrone Woodley is definitely going to go in there and um, beat just beat beat this guy's ass and. Uh, yeah, I think Floyd Mayweather has offered to help this, um, help train, um, Tom Woodley to uh, compete against Jake Paul, and also who's the other guy? Jorge Game Gamebred Fighter, Gamebred Pfizer, has also um joined um Tom Woodley in, in his coaching and training to um prepare for the boxing match. So, but all in all, let's wait and see what happens. You know, it's not just the fact that they're waiting to see what happens in the boxing match, but let's see what happens. In the run-up to the boxing match itself, because it's still a, at least one or two months in between, so there's still a lot to happen between now and then. So, yeah. So, so for the next UFC event, UFC twenty-nine, UFC Vegas twenty-nine. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's just mm, from what from my predictions, from what I can see, uh, it's just two fights really that really um have got my attention there. And those that those two fights they they are I hope I'm announcing his name correctly, Jazino Rosen strict versus Augusto Sak- Sakai. So back at UFC Vegas twenty, yeah, now I remember um how this guy fought against Cyril Gain. Um it looks just looking at it, he looks quite boring. His stand up wasn't doing much almost like he was waiting and waiting and waiting for the just for the perfect moment to just launch an attack. And unfortunately, Cyril again, so again, was just taking the advantage and seizing the opportunities the whole for most of the uh, most of the fight and just launching his own attacks. And was in stroke was more or less just kind of standing there, pacing backwards and forwards. Um, you know, as I said, as I made my notes, and I think he overdid this, and that's probably the reason why he lost. Um, he didn't really. He didn't really push himself to land enough shots and uh, attacks effectively as much as possible. Um, I do appreciate that in fighting. Of course, you got to be um, you've got to be smart of how you go about go about your attacks and go about your defenses. But at the same time, unfortunately, it's a fight game. Whether you're defending yourself or you're launching an attack, you know your opponent's going to be doing the same thing because you both want one thing. You want you, you both want one thing, and, and that is to win. And you both don't want a, a, the other thing, and that is to lose. So um you know, in that fight I hope in this fight when he fights Augusto and Saka and look at looking at Saka's last fight against Alison Over from at UFC Vegas twenty nine. Um he it he did look a bit okay, this is my opinion from what I could see. How he handled himself, his stand up looks almost not too different to strikes um but I mean stand-up did look a bit better. I can't even understand it sometimes. So, it did look like after some time, he did move in and get close enough to launch an attack. But again, he lost that fight by TK and this was against Alistair Overman, UFC Vegas, number nine. But so, their last, both these guys, their last most recent fights, they lost, so, uh, you know, hopefully... Um, It'll be an est- interesting match would it be interesting would i find it boring i'll give it a chance I'll, i mean I, d- I don't know who's going to who's going to who's going to lose so if, for this one i'll be honest i'm on the fence so t- t- for the other guys um roman Dolitz uh, versus lorino Star- Staropoli, the middleweight now what really grabbed my attention about these two guys is that i think one of them that's like a ton of wins and just one loss. And I can't remember who and I can't really get it on my computer right now, though it's just gonna spoil the image if you imagery of the podcast if you're watching this on YouTube. Um so Dolida's Dolidad's wrote I'll just call go his, his first name. Roman's first, um, well, not first, but his last fight against uh, Trevin Giles, like back at UFC Vegas twenty two, stand up looked decent. Uh, his clinch and ground game looked um, for the brief takedowns. So he looked pretty good. Um, and also, what I noticed is on the ground, and it's something that I don't think I really noticed this with any other or any other fight or fight, mixed martial arts fighter that I've watched recently in the past. He seems seems really flexible on the ground with his legs uh when he's been when when his opponent's trying to hold him down on the ground he manage, manages to move his legs around so it makes his makes it difficult for his opponent to mount to mount him and launch an attack or to at least just keep him in place hold him down trying to control him while his opponent um the his stand up looked good and um he does seem a quite a, a lot quicker on his feet now, who do I think will win out? These two guys, probably. Do, 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 do. I'm gonna go with. Do, do, do. I'm gonna go with Roman because with ground game, if if his opponent tries to take him take him down in a takedown, I think he's gonna make it very difficult, really, really difficult to keep him down on the ground. So it'd be hard for his opponent to get to get Roman into a submission that's the reason why I think Roman will Roman have the advantage here. I mean, I said before that I think stand-ups are a lot easier than takedowns and ground game. So, uh, you know, again, th- that's why I think that Roman will have the advantage over his opponent over Staropoli. So, moving on to something which I've, which is still <laughs> kind of rearing its ugly head in the mixed martial arts world. Yes, yeah, so the Joshua Fabio Diego Sanchez controversy, the whole scandal thing. Um so yeah, recently Diego Sanchez came out with a statement and he said that um trying to address the OnlyFans situation, that everything that happened on there had nothing to do with him. Um uh, basically it was um down to Joshua Fabia and to down to also, also in, involved Joshua Fabio's assistant Rebecca, uh whoever she is, um not seen a picture of her and what she looks like, nothing like that. Um, I just wonder what sorts of personal arts work for someone like Joshua Fabia. I mean, just, you know, it's mind-boggling. And it's crazy. An assistant, for that matter, as well. So, um, yeah. So, what basically, what's happened is that he just confirmed they had nothing to do with him. Uh, it was just basically down to Joshua Fabia and his assistant. And I think, again, he um had nothing bad to say about these guys, didn't shit on them didn't attack them verbally, didn't uh, slander them on the internet or on any of these social media platforms or nothing like that at all. I actually he said, you know, what, whatever happens, I hope you two are okay. And I just wish, wish, more or less in his statement, he said, I wish nothing but the best for you two guys. You know, so it shows he's being the bigger person. He's taking the higher ground and yeah, that, that is good because the way Joshua Fabio treated this guy was just, it was disgusting. And he, again, he further confirmed that while he was with um, Joshua Fabio, Joshua farby actually took over the management of all his, all of his social media and all of his um, anything, his online activities. Joshua farby was handling that, so that had nothing to do with him at all. The OnlyFans thing, and speaking of OnlyFans, it is, I'll say rumoured because I've only seen like one source about this about this case about the amount of money that this OnlyFans generated online. Um, and I saw it, it was a YouTube video. Um. I can't remember the channel. I think it's a. and I'm not going to say just. I'm not going to say the name just in case I get it wrong. Uh, so it's rumored that the OnlyFans um, account um, managed to pick up about approximately ninety thousand subscribers, ninety thousand followers, and it generated one point four million dollars, about one and a half million dollars. So it's a crazy amount of money, and Joshua Farber kept half of that. He kept half of half of it. So um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more stuff that's gonna be coming out about that he's gonna be releasing and letting slip through the um the cracks just you know just let people just extra information come up because I'm sure he loves the limelight he's he's that narcissistical and I actually checked the number of people following him on on Instagram his personal page on his personal account on Instagram and I remember explicitly in detail because i you know I said before that I wanted to invite him onto my show to just speak to him about things that have been happening get his side of the story of the story because so far a lot of the sources online on youtube instagram instagram and facebook on twitter they all seem to be painting him as a villain so villain so I wanted to get his side of the story I you know, speak to him get information from the horse's mouth give him an opportunity to 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 you know to shed light to shed light in the situation give him an opportunity to just you know to say his part to say his truth um i'm trying to look for the proper the, the proper way to say that um just give him a, an opportunity to to defend himself and to explain himself basically yeah you know that sort of thing and he said yes at first then later on i kind of contacted him contacted him again to ask him to say to see if he was still interested after the whole thing about um had kind of change whereby Diego Sanchez actually had actually um, cut ties and before I gone to that um, uh, that podcast behind the scenes um, I asked him again would you like to come on he said not this time and uh, that's more or less the last I heard from him Uh, so yeah I'm sure sure there's still going to be some more information to come out from from this thing I think there's one or two YouTubers who are actually following the story really closely so you know, again, it'll be interesting to see um, to, to see what happens. And again, I was talking about the Instagram the Instagram thing. His account, um, uh, the number of people following him. The last time I checked, before checking again today, before making this podcast, it was approximately six hundred and eighty to about seven hundred followers he had on there. Now that number has dropped to just below five hundred. So, you know, I think. I think there's something going on with this Joshua Fabric. and now that Diego Sanchez is thankfully and safely happily out of the picture, just away from him, you know, um, I'm sure a lot of, a lot more things going to be coming out that will will expose him for what who and what he truly is. Now, I personally believe that he's running a cult because if you just look at the things he does. It, it, it's really with you know, self awareness. He seems to be the most least. Self aware person you can ever come across, or you know, uh, that you ever meet in your life, uh, and lots of just dumb things that are really relevant not just to mix martial arts, but just to on anything, like they're just so unhelpful and so useless. But, guys, I'm gonna wrap that up again. I'm sorry for being so tongue twisted and just good, yeah, you're not being able to put a proper sentence together. I usually, normally, I don't speak like this at all. Don't know why it keeps happening where when I'm making a podcast, but uh. I, I try and try to stop that. Um, Guys, if you did enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to leave a like down below if you're watching on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe if you enjoy my content. You can listen to my podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and on Google Podcasts. You can catch me on Twitter and on Facebook. My name is Ike, Ike Ojako. And on Instagram, my name is Ike Ojako1. Thanks again, guys.